Welcome to the Talking Book Podcast Season 2. I'm Perry Patterson and I am an indie author and I write new adult romance. And I am MK Stabley and I'm also an indie author and I write paranormal mysteries. And today is the first episode of season two. MK and I have taken the summer off because I was working on my fifth novel. She was writing Lying Lanier, which just came out last week. And everybody in Atlanta wants to read that because everybody probably has been on Lake Lanier at one time or another. If you live in the Atlanta if you live in the Atlanta area, you've probably been on Lake Lanier at one time or another. And it takes place on in and around the Lake Lanier area. So Lying Lanier is out now. It's on Kindle and um, available on Amazon. So congratulations on your third book, MK, which is in the Ava Sinclair series. And we are welcoming Kara S.B. Brown to the podcast today. Kara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. So I'm going to just give you a little introduction about Kara. Kara Espy Brown is a self-published author of The Scarring of the Rosh Anara. And I may not be saying that correctly, but that is the name of the book. And you can tell me later how to pronounce it because we want to pronounce it correctly. The first book, this is the first book in a potentially eight book series. She will release her second novel, The Crystal of Shamalot in spring of 2023 she writes dark psychological fantasies with plenty of light to heal from trauma from her past even putting her own memories in the story with fantasy twist she writes multiple povs to empathize with herself and others learning psychology and connecting her lost loved ones when not writing she reads she sings she draws she paints and explores various aspects of life and spends plenty of quality time with her husband whom she met in Afghanistan their two dogs they have two dogs they have two cats and they um and she earns and they earn their spots in her writing as well throughout her life Kara has struggled to understand who she is under the service Without understanding herself, she dis, disassociated and lived with her lived in her fantasy world, ignoring the traumatic issues in her life and compartmentalizing them inside herself. When past therapist pushed her towards prolonged exposure therapy, she didn't have the coping skills to do it safely. So she chose to expose herself to the traumas through discovery writing fantasy light drenched with pain over the past seven years she's learned her strengths and her weaknesses she's accepted her darkness to bring out her light and she has learned to set boundaries a skill she hadn't learned in childhood though triggers still affect her she can handle them without forgetting who she is even on panic days, she remembers her values the best part she craves a future instead of craving death. And that last sentence is very, very powerful, I will say. Um, yeah, it's, it's not all or nothing suicidal ideation, you know, still comes and goes, but it's without intent. That usually just means I'm exhausted and I need sleep and I need to take a step back and reassess what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. That's always good to do. Mm-hmm. You don't want to push yourself. 
oh no oh mm-hmm. yes and no yes and no <laughs> Gotcha. Sometimes you gotta push past the depression, but yeah, 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 yeah. that's true. That's true. So yeah. tell me, uh, did I pronounce and say the names of the books again one more time? I the scarring of the Roshan Ra. Roshan Ra. Uh, so Ro- Roshan okay. is Persian Dari word for light. Ra is my inner child, so it's essentially bringing out the light from my inner child. Okay. Although when I started writing that, that word just came out and I didn't know why. I just knew Roshan I wanted to bring out my light. Okay. Um, the crystal of Shamala. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> like the crystal of Shamala is, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's kind of a, com- a combination of shamanic journeys and shame. And like the Allah is like Kala. And Kala is, um, so there's a, possibility that my compartmentalized states are different personalities that were blocked inside of me so essentially by writing these i'm connecting all the parts of myself to myself so i become a human instead of just this spirit wandering around people pleasing everybody okay, okay. i like that <laughs> i do i mean you don't i mean there's so many different ways that people deal with mm-hmm. trauma you know and mm-hmm. PTSD as well, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, however you can deal with that and be healthy in it, I think is the best. You know, whatever you can do to make you the best you, then you do that. I mean, that's really all you can do. But trying right. to control others doesn't help right. anything. But no. trying to control yourself and be who you are, mm-hmm. it's essentially taking out the repressed parts of yourself so that you have a thriving life instead of just surviving right yeah you don't want to just go on just like living you want to thrive in your life you don't want to just be you know doing the same thing all the time and yeah. just kind of being there exactly yeah <sighs> well i read about 75 percent of it of the scarring of the Roshanara, is am I saying it right? Roshanara, I'm probably not saying it right. Still, Roshanra. Okay, I read about seventy five percent. I didn't finish it yet. So, um, but um, tell us how you met your husband um, in Afghanistan. Uh, I love this story. <laughs> um, it was my second time going to Afghanistan, and I had this. You know, I, I wanted to go to the same place that I went. It was with a different contracting company, but I'm like. I want to go back to Bagram. I'm familiar with the place. So I get there and I meet my husband. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I tend to have this fear of males. But at the same time, I, I tend to push past my fears and, like, drive toward them. So he wasn't creepy. <laughs> and honestly, like, the first time we met, um, it was at an Afghan New Year party. And it was just before I was starting work. I was still jet lagged. I was sitting there eating some some naan, some borange, and just listening to music, watching people dance around, being my introverted self, even though I had the urge to be extroverted because I was pushed that way when I was a child. So he sits next to me, and I, I realized I had an urge to get close to him. It was a similar energy to my father who passed away six months after one of my most violent traumas. And... It, the energy was just so soothing and it confused me, but I just wanted to be near him. 
so he got up and he 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 went to get some uh, drink and came back he had bumped his head <laughs> and i was like oh are you paying a check for bleeding and everything but it was just a really lovely night and we started hanging out together um a little bit you know i followed her around like a little killed night girl like school girl <laughs> And I I loved his musical inspiration. I'm allergic to tobacco, but I would sit at the smoke shack to listen to him. And um, oh, he ended up leaving uh, for reasons. And then when he returned, we ended up going on a coffee date together. Um, I had issues stemming from sexual assault where I was promiscuous. And that really just I had a trouble accepting myself and didn't realize that I was in love with them until basically I felt safe and my flashbacks started happening. So it was it was a very traumatic time. Um, still in Afghanistan working sometimes 84 hours a week plus I was doing school and other activities. <laughs> so, um, it, I had to get a divorce because I was married at the time to a really controlling partner who wasn't really a partner. He was just this whole other story. I don't want to get into right now, but it, it just, he's different. And I was able to be my weird self just going rah, 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 with him and not being called weird and not considering him weird. And just over time, our bond is strengthened, but at the same time, we've both struggled. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why I write multiple POVs. Um, Daniel in the book is inspired by my husband but not exactly the same as my husband. It's the, the lessons I've learned from him. And that's usually how I write um, when I'm discovering different characters. It's what I need to learn from that character. Mm -hmm. He's your soulmate. I like to say he's my twin flame. But that's also, true. I was thinking of that too. <laughs> also, I don't want to have that narcissistic twin flame like oh like twin flames still require a lot of work yeah like the more connected you are to a person the more you love a person it drives you to grow right and there's a balance between growing and changing who you are like mm -hmm. one of the things i love about him i'll i'll be in my people pleasing thing i'm like please help me make decisions like you're smart enough to make your own decisions <laughs> like <laughs> yes. no handle things mm -hmm. on your own then come back to me and tell me what's going on right it, it's it's the tricky balance with two empaths who both have emotional difficulties coming together and helping each other instead of triggering each other all the time right <laughs> yes, that's perfect yeah it, it's chaotic and beautiful right but he kind of pushes you to be that individual mm -hmm. you know yeah. to make your decision for you yes right and as long as i'm honest and not trying to be a douchebag <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> it works. That's a new one. <laughs> That's funny. Oh my gosh. So, um, I read the book like a couple times. I have. I did when I first got it last year, and then I read it again when I knew you were coming on the show. Um, and even though I'd already known what was going to happen, <laughs> you know, it's still, um, we should probably tell people that, that your book does have trigger warnings, oh, um, yeah. like, you know, PTSD, rape, torture, um, suicide. what else? Suicide. Yeah. Um, and, um, like even childhood sexual abuse. Yes. So we just want to let people know that beforehand, um, you know, in our discussion here, we might get into a little bit of that. We will try not to overdo it or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, we want you to feel comfortable, you know, answering questions mm -hmm. um, and that kind of thing. But we just kind of want to know more about you. And um, I do have some questions. This is the book that we were talking about. So definitely get it. Um, it's an amazing book. If you have any kind of um, traumas, like I said, there are trigger warnings. So just, we want to give you that heads up. Um, so what I kind of want to know is what made you decide to go into writing when you were in the military? I mean, or after you were done? Um, I started writing when I was a, a child. It was I was about 11 or 12. And my daddy was a truck driver. I saw a roadrunner and a tumbleweed at a stop sign. And I asked him, Daddy, are cartoons real? And his answer was something like, in a sense, they are real because they come from people's experiences. And so he introduced me to his cousin, who's Martha Bolton. And like she's, she's had a pretty successful writing career. Uh, um, I think she's still writing. So I was able to talk to her and kind of interview her on um, just what it was like to be an author. And I wrote my first short story and it was called The Day When Pigs Flew. Oh, about a little girl who was like struggling with self-esteem, but she wanted to win a talent show. And people were like, you'll only win when day when pigs flew. Uh, and so, <laughs> like, That's cute. I want to recreate it. Um, yeah. But like, I, I kind of lost touch with that writing desire um, when I was a teenager after several sexual assaults. Um, that to me was the curse of being an empathetic people pleaser because I didn't see it as something I didn't want because I only felt what they wanted. Right. So in a sense, the things that happened to me, I took them personally right. and it, it caused me a lot of shame to where I didn't feel like I even deserved to have the things I desired in life. So when I started writing again, it was, um, it was about three years after my divorce or no, two years after my divorce was finalized. And once, once things are finalized and the true memories come up, it's even more chaotic. And I, we got, we both got impatient, hospitalized, um, 
I had trouble keeping a job, ended up being diagnosed with PTSD and the personalization derealizing syndrome, 100% disabled. And I knew that to be true. Like I could not hold a job. So we separated. Um, at the time, I still I had this hope that we would get back together. Mm-hmm. And I started writing because I needed, I knew I needed to process the emotions and memories in a way that was a fantasy light because as I empathize with other people more than I empathize with myself, it made sense to have characters that represented me, but not be me. Right. So I didn't realize it was going to be multiple POV when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, it was going to be a YA fantasy, but that got creepy really fast. So like, sure. <laughs> you're going to change that, huh? <laughs> I, I aged them up, but I still thought it was going to yeah. just be a high fantasy. Yeah. Um, but as I'm an intensely joyful person, it makes sense that my negativity would be intense as well. Right. Like there's em- this em- Empaths have their their feelings are very intense. I am an empath to a degree. Like I can tell when people um, that aren't even with me um, that something is going on. Yeah, I can feel like I can feel the emotion somewhere because I know it's not coming from me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, do. So I get where you're. I definitely get where you're coming from. Definitely, um, the emotions go from one end to the other. You know, but they're very intense, like you said. Uh, but the writing of it, it's it's essentially. It gets it out of my head. When I reread it, I remember the lessons I've learned from it. Because with the personality disorders and identity disruptions, mm-hmm. sometimes daily, like there are there are cycles where daily I forget who I am. Sometimes right. with a week on end, I have no willful like willingness to do what I want to do in life because I'm trapped in that psychotic brain. Right. So by writing on a more continual basis, I'm, I'm getting the junk out of my head so I can see reality as it is and accept, yes, there's negative stuff, but I'm breathing. Mm-hmm. I have four animals that love to cuddle. I have a husband uh-huh. that loves to cuddle. Like, I love the shows we binge watch. I love the books I can read. I love learning new things. And um, painting is something that helps me get into the writing mindset as well. Like if I'm stuck on descriptions, I'll paint them. Yeah. So I'll just kind of intuitively paint and usually yeah. it's caves. <laughs> do, you, do you have a painting close by that you can show? Oh, I have a wall. <laughs> so he has a lot of them. There's one. That one's my safe place. Oh, that's amazing. And you know, this is this is one of my walls. That one back there with the flowers is actually yeah. um, my friend Cherish gave it to me. Have some more over here. And I even have, oh, probably have six on walls elsewhere. One that I gave to my husband. Um, and then several that I might update. <laughs> she actually has an Etsy site that she, you do um, like the artwork on notebooks that you sell, correct? I have two up there so far. I'm planning on um, 
uh, adding more, uh, whenever my brain gets me to <laughs> actually scan them into the computer. Right. Um, no, they're really neat though. I oh, mean, I, I also have, um, so this one's one I found and it's kind of like a map. Oh, how cool. Um, and then, so I have a couple of characters of ours. This one's Kala. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Um, this one is, um, this was the Forseer. Uh, she's introduced in book one, but we'll talk to her more in mm -hmm. two. And this one is um, Labas Kaprazai. Oh, wow. And she's going to be the first. Um, it's not the same countries, but essentially African-American character. Mm -hmm. And just, I want it to be more diverse in the world, but the mm -hmm. antagonists are separationists. So right. part of their journey is to connect different cultures so that people like empaths or empaths, yeah. people are people. It doesn't matter who is in the group as long as they're trying to help the world. Right. So it, it's, it's been fun just learning the different things I can do that might not enhance my career, but enhance my sanity. Oh yeah. I mean, I think a lot of this is probably therapy for you, right? Writing. And I was wondering how that, um, how that kind of worked. Like, um, you were just saying, I think the painting, anything that brings out your imagination and your creativity, um, is probably highly helpful when it comes to, um, maybe dealing with some of, you know, the trauma and things like that, I, I guess, um, getting it out there. So not so everyone knows, but so, you know, maybe yeah. it, you know? it does that I have mostly my art on my wall just to remind myself that I am capable. Like, yeah, I, I'm not the ditzy blonde. I might be sometimes, but I, I have more to offer myself and the world than I thought, but I need to help myself first because without, without that, I deplete myself and become like just basically a, a worm slithering on the ground, yeah. picking up all the nutrients. All right. So did well, you, um, when you wrote your first book, did you base it on like books that you liked reading and, or TV shows that you enjoy? Like, is this, um a story that kind of takes place in another like stranger things there's like another world that's like they call in stranger things they call it the upside down which is still yeah. the same world but it's like can be manipulated in time and in space and and different things are happening during that is it similar to that like it's kind of like a like a parallel universe type of thing it's the magical twin to Earth's logical world. Um, I didn't intentionally base it on anything else, but with anybody, uh, creative work will have traits of other things that they've absorbed, even societal things that might not be something that they've read or watched, but 
there are elements of you know the require the room of requirement in the void um and also it's kind of like the wheel of time where you know you go you, you can travel through the astral realm basically but i didn't intentionally base it on that it was stuff that came out and i noticed the similarities but i noticed the differences as well if i if i write something and it's too similar to something else i'll adjust it or take it out mm-hmm. but it's it's mostly based on my experiences um dirawa is basically how i see the world when i'm anxiously attached or depressed um it's the world i would travel in my astral dreams and like i have very lucid dreams sometimes and they're often more real than reality so it's it's kind of expressing that so i can get in touch with this world right because that's where the people that i love are mm-hmm. um without that i'm just trapped right now have you ever thought about writing in like a different genre ever or you're going to stick with like the the dark psychological fantasy type stuff for now I have a couple more things in mind. This one uh I want to get finished um partly because my family is very prone to starting things and not finishing. <laughs> and you're like I am finishing it. <laughs> and so this was kind of a promise that I made to my daddy like when I was doing a meditation one time. It's like I'm going to finish the series before I do something else. Mhm. But I do have um short stories that I want to transform into novels like i have one that is a erotica romance but not like not like again douchebag <laughs> it's not like the controlling bdsm but it's like a trauma survivor who adapts when she has urges and it's kind of like um two people who struggle with sexuality traveling the world and boning i guess <laughs> uh, uh, uh. I, oh my gosh what's funny though is i also have a couple of children's books in mind <laughs> then i have like a, a straight up romance of, right based on another nightmare that i had so oh. i there so it's based on a nightmare mm-hmm. and then i also have kind of a mystery in mind it, it it's really based on what i feel i'm ready for next I also want to do at least a trilogy YA in the same world as Dorava after okay. the series. After the series is done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. Okay, so someone's asking <laughs> what platform will you um be publishing your books on? So you're on Amazon, I know for sure. And I also publish through a uh, draft through uh, draft to digital. Um okay. so it's it's on Nook um I cannot remember which ones there. I I think Kobo is one. It's not on Google Play right now. Okay. Um, I I'm wanting to try my hand at publishing paperback on Barnes and Noble as well. Okay. Um I know Perry does that. Well, I have done um a couple of books with Barnes and Noble. All of my books are on Amazon and um at least one of them is in Ingram Spark, but Ingram Spark is really for retailers. Mm-hmm. um independent books independent booksellers but all of them are on Amazon and I did a few through Barnes and Noble but they're they're hardback they're hardback hardback with the nice dust jacket 
So Amazon has offered a hardback version, but it's not the dust jacket version. It's a hard cover, but it doesn't have the nice dust jacket, which I prefer the nice dust jacket because I think when you think about novels with nice dust jackets, they just look more superb than what Amazon produced when they came out with the hard hardcover which I wasn't sure what the hardcover was going to look like until I got it so I'm kind of the opposite with hardcovers I don't like the dust jacket because I I get get in the way sometimes and then they get all crinkled and don't look yeah well I yeah I agree with that they do get in the way I agree they do get in the way what I was, yeah. what I was really going for was just the aesthetic of it, of the book yeah. itself, of how it looks with the dust jacket. That was the dust jacket. Yeah, it does flop around and it comes off and it slips and it moves and it, I know, I know, <laughs> I do. It's not, it's not your ideal when you're reading, but when you have a shelf of them and you're presenting it or when you look at it, it's got like probably the best visual aesthetic than yeah. than the average the average book of course the paperback you know is will go anywhere and you know last anywhere and i'm still yeah. building up my courage for ingram's heart because i've heard horror stories about their customer service oh it's bad i can assure you it is bad really bad I, I, I don't really oh it is it's terrible oh yeah, I haven't gone that route yet either. All my it is. On Amazon. And I and Amazon is is quick to respond. They're quick to help. They're on yeah. top of things. And I and I and I know that Amazon's such a bigger platform. I mean, Amazon represents so many other things as a large Um You read a lot, right? I read when I can. Um, do you have a favorite author that you read? I have a few. Uh, I do like to read authors who support my work because it's, it's give and take. Right. Um, huge JK Rowling fan, just because, uh, partly because I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter until after I turned 18. So it's kind of like, a, uh, I'm going to do it. <laughs> but I, I've read, I've read the books. Um, probably 10 times and listen to the audiobooks at least another 15 times. Yeah. Um, Wheel of Time, I've also read, I've read the first five books five times and then the others four times. I oh, tend wow. to like series because I don't, I don't like to get out of the world. Like, right. Let me go back. Let me say. Let me say <laughs> in the world. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I have, mm-hmm. I have some books like that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are rereading yours? Oh, like MK, and I, I might take a while for that because I'm also rereading Michelle Skaggs's. That's right. Also, I love Michelle Skaggs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's my cousin, and like it's it's really You're kidding. cool. No, like uh, so cousin on my daddy's side. I didn't and, know that. And that's why Kala Skaggs and James Skaggs. That's actually from my even, dad's side of the family. I didn't even put the two and two together. That's that's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> like it means bearded one and I have person, 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 person,
I remember her posting. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> You're like, and I am not. <laughs> no, no. No, I'm, I'm happy with the dogs and cats in my own brain. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. I have, well, I raised two kids. So I have one that just graduated a few months ago from college and one that just started her third year at University of Georgia. But I have two cats and a dog at home to keep me comfy. My husband is out of town this week. He's in Texas. He works for Lockheed Martin. So they're headquartered in Fort Worth. So he is gone for the week. So I just have the the babies. Oh, there's your baby. I just have the fur babies with me. So what's your fur baby's name? That's Starling. She's actually one of the, uh, in the first book, as they're known as pit bull, like golden pit bull like dogs, but they're called sags because that's the Persian Dari word for dogs. And it's oh, really cool because cool. they have powers, and once like, once they connect to the characters, they can grow and shrink and have like little tricks they do. I like, start on, for instance, she mm-hmm. she can pick locks, and she also like lunges at things. Whereas Lana, which is my husband's dog, like she jumps things, and she also like finds different critters oh and, yeah <laughs> that's, that's cute fun. i miss my fur babies i want another one. Oh yeah they they're so sweet and thank you weird and beard i think i pronounced that yes yeah <laughs> yeah you said i'll definitely read your work so that's awesome and uh, thank you so much uh, it's i like putting basically immortalizing the important parts of my life. Yeah. So. That's awesome. I love that. And writing James's POV has actually helped me with the grief because I tend to hold on to grief. Or there were times where I thought, you know, I would get the urge to call my daddy and like he passed away in 2006. Right. So you know, just when that happened, when that would happen, I would feel crazy because like it's like a timeline distortion. Mm hmm. So writing this has helped me connect to that part of me that needs to grieve. This is your dad. Yeah. 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 I think I kind of knew that that was kind of based off your, your own, you know, father and stuff like that, which I think he would love that. Oh, I can, I can totally see it. <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm mystic minded, I, I feel like he's still there, you know, yeah. Thank you, Kara. Mm-hmm. Aw. Like, proud of me for yeah. not giving into what everybody else wants my life to be. Right. Absolutely. Um, now, I know you're working on book two, The Crystal the crystal of Shamala. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually got to see what is that. 
I was like, crap, I wish I could have printed that out or something so I could show what it looks like. It was, it's really neat though. So the second book, do you, can you give us a little teaser into how this one's going to um, come across? And I can. So Kala's still reeling from her healing powers. There's a backlash, and so it's three weeks after the first book ends, and so many things happen in the first few chapters that keep them stuck at Tarot's Manor, and if they don't reach the Crystal Shamala in another location by the Blood Moon, which is just over a month away, the Cosnot will be able to access people's spirit homes and control them from a distance without even going near them, and what the Cosmot are trying to do is control Kala's power, which will destroy James and Daniel, essentially breaking that bond and then like basically force her to air, like to uh, bear a child, which okay. will have death powers and decay. So there it it's, Every book is pretty much life or death for the entire world. <laughs> right. That's how it feels. Like yeah. so much on your shoulders when you have like this distortion of reality where everything's your fault. Fart, fart. Everything's your fault because you've been scapegoated. And right. like essentially this is like, no, I will not bear that. Like I'm gonna do my own thing. And so mm -hmm. part of Paula's journey is to find a way to do her task without giving away all of herself so that's awesome now um for anybody else who has had you know trauma ptsd anything like that um that reads your book what what would you want to say to them um i'm trying to think of how to put it um to maybe help them you know deal with their trauma and PTSD. Is there anything that you would say to somebody that is trying their best to get through this or deal with it? It's honestly harder to heal because you have to face your pain. Right. It's easy to, it's easy to stay in that comfort zone, but when you stay in that comfort zone of repression and trauma and sometimes even stuck in the abuse, you essentially lose parts of yourself every single time right by pushing past those and you don't have to do it the same way i do it but finding your own way to process your traumas and get in touch with the internal child which children have this intuition on how to ha be happy in life mm -hmm. so getting in touch with that but having the wisdom of adulthood right. is really my ultimate goal and so far I've been working on this for eight years I still struggle but each day is a little brighter and I see how far I've come like for example even if I black out I'm not being impulsive I mean right. verbosity is my biggest impulse right now right. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a tea kettle yeah but like over time, I've learned to save money. I've learned to say no when I don't want to do something, set boundaries, 
mm-hmm. to say, if I don't like flirting, I'm going to say, please don't flirt. Right. Not because I want to be like controlling to another person, but that's not why I'm on social media. I'm on right. social media to help people heal, but I'm happy in my life. I'm staying with my husband. I'm staying in my life because that is what motivates me to move forward. Okay. And weird and weird, I'm not constantly motivated. It's it's a cycle. Like they'll have I'll have days or sometimes <laughs> extreme emotion shifts throughout days. Right. Where I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh, I don't want to do anything. Go on a walk with my husband. Oh, I'm happy. And then you know, get home and something triggers me and I go back into the anxious and depressed state and then I get into people pleasing mode and then I like shame myself because I, I misbehaved or whatever. And it, it's, it's that BPD perfectionism that keeps me stuck. But by recognizing I don't have to thousand percent things i call it three quarters assing my way through life now (laughs) like just just finding that that progression that is relaxing like a passionate piece instead of a stressful chaos right like slowly at least you're moving forward Mm -hmm. you're not staying you know in that place the dark place Mm -hmm. you know that kind of thing You're, you're you keep moving forward Oh yeah, and I still go into the dark place oh, on yeah. a daily basis because when you shine a light on some of the dark spots, you find beauty. Like sometimes the goryish stuff is the most beautiful because it's essentially drawing the blood back into your soul. Is how I like to think about it. Mm-hmm. That's a neat way to think about it very cool well I'm, we've had an amazing time you know I'm glad we got to talk to you today Harry did you have any other questions for her uh, well I mean I think it just had to do more with your your writing process and like you, you're you working on the second in um, the series for your second book um, and do you have like a daily goal that you set forth, you know, I'm going to work on this chapter. Does it take you a while to kind of come up with like your plot and how you're going to move the characters forward in the story? Um, Do you get inspired by certain things that are obviously it's a lot of it is, is maybe from your past or it's part of your healing that you're writing about, but do some of the things come from like, maybe a daily walk um, in the forest with your dogs or with your husband? Do you get inspired by certain, certain moments in time that trigger your ideas that help you with ideas and with sitting down and writing the next chapter? It varies. Um, One of my favorite things to do is do a shadow work or astral projection meditation before writing. I'm not, always able to get into that meditative state so other times i'll watch um empowering or writing related youtube sometimes i binge youtube because i just need that extra encouragement 
Um, sometimes just a nap. Uh, other times cooking or painting or singing in the shower. I love my shower singing. It's like sometimes it's 45 minutes just spacing out in the shower while singing. Are you, so and, you, um, do you, are you a fan of like American Idol and that kind of thing or no. not really? really? <laughs> I don't like anything where it tears down people for trying. Um, I, I'm more of a fan of just like picking the music that relates to me. Um, sometimes I like fantasy, mystical, like just musical, like instrumental. Um, other times I, um, I have a soothing imposter syndrome uh, playlist that I've created on Spotify and it ranges from, um, like Scarborough Fair to, um, uh, Kelly Clarkson to System of Down to uh, Tool. It's an eclectic version. Extremely. Sitting on the dock of the bay is my one that's like, yes. I can't do what 10 people tell me to. <laughs> so I'm just right. going to here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, she is a singer too, as well as the painter mm -hmm. and drawer and author and. Um, previous military vet so yeah and you were you were in the air force so tell us a little just uh, before we leave tell us a little bit about what your job was in the air force the reason i'm asking is because my husband joined and my husband was uh like i said he works for lockheed martin so he handles a lot of quality control for the c-130 the hercules um yeah. he handles the quality control for that and um and the parts and things like that so um he would be interested maybe in a little bit of what you did in the air force I was what's known as an airborne cryptologic linguist, and then I switched to another um, attached career where I ended up, that's where I did my deployments, and I did signals intelligence. But I retain the knowledge, I, I retain the languages because as much as I could, because I spent seven hours a day plus homework for a year learning it, and I'm not going to give that up just because of time. <laughs> so that's, that's the reason I like uh, smooshing words together um, to you make some of the um, the words. Like the word korban in the, the novel, it literally means sacrifice in Persian Dari. So oh, okay. like the mutation, it's a sacrificing their souls. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so... I, and um, while I was in, I got a couple of degrees. Like one of them was Persian Dari, and the other one was Communications Applied Technology, which is really ironic to me because I feel like I suck at communication. I suck at technology. <laughs> but then um, I got my bachelor's in criminal justice with a concentration of forensics. Went on to get a master's in sports and health sciences. Then went back for dietetic technology and finally creative writing, which I just finished the degree for. So. She has multiple degrees, people. Yeah. Okay. Learning. That's, that's, that's awesome, though. I mean, I yeah. think I, yeah. a lot of people would love to continue learning. And you have mm -hmm. one of the ones that I would love to have, and that is forensics. Mm -hmm. That is like something that I would I would have loved to have gone into. That, I could tell my younger self. Yeah, that's one of the things my son was able to take in high school. But I think at the time, my son was like, really into Dexter, and he was watching Dexter a lot. And he he really wanted to be in forensics. And he thought about doing criminal justice and going into forensics. But he ended up actually because he was also in the video technology pathway in high school, he went on to get a degree in 
uh, communications and concentration in film and editing in college. And so now that he works in film and editing, so that's what he does for a company now. So, but um, that was one of his favorite TV shows, but it, it's probably one of those shows that I, I don't know if that is kind of creepy a little bit too. So. Oh, I love it. You love it. Okay, good. All right. So I mean, that's I not, okay. Okay. Well, all right. Great. Okay. Yeah, I've watched both season one and season two, so um, so I I, I enjoyed that show too, um, but I also enjoy and my husband is on watching that he just joined, but um, we watch um, he's out of town this week, like I said, but we watch that show on Hulu, um, Murders in the Building with um, I love that show, yes, yes, yeah, it I haven't watched this week because he's out of town. We watch it together. So we haven't watched it, but that is one of the shows that I will recommend to people because it is so funny. Martin Short, the way he can deadpan a line is just so funny. And I'm just like, there was one, there was one scene where his, I think it was um, Steve Martin. I can't remember the character name. I know their name, real name, Steve Martin. His I think stepdaughter came and like she was in the bathroom for a long time. Do you remember that when they were all standing in a line outside the bathroom and Martin Short says, you know, when I was at my grandma's house and I was in the bathroom too long, she would knock on the door and say, do you need me to rub some Vaseline on your rectum? <laughs> he said something to that. I don't know exactly. I know I'm not saying it exactly right, but whatever the line was at the time it was the funniest thing i'd ever heard and he's just standing outside the door the way he just comes out and says things it's it's just so so funny it's really good we're watching the we're watching the terminal list right now oh that's really good too yes it is such a good show with chris pratt it's on the that. Like, we, we watched it in two days. Did you? <laughs> yeah. I think we're on episode six right now at the age. So we haven't finished it yet. <laughs> well, but, we want to uh, congratulate you, Kara, not only on your books that you've published, that you're in the new one that you're about to publish, but all of your degrees. Um, thank you for your service in the United States Air Force. We appreciate that tremendously. And, um, you know, best of luck to you in your in your next book and everything. And, you know, we look forward to maybe seeing you um, sometime in the future on the show again when your next book comes out. And congratulations to MK on her latest book that just released last week. Thank you so much. And thank you to everybody who listens to the podcast. Thank you for joining us live. And tomorrow on Spotify, the episode, this episode will be available to listen to. And Kara, we will email you the link so that you can share that Spotify link with others and um, have them listen to it as well. And we thank you for joining us. And congratulations to Kara S.B. Brown on your books. And we appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. I had no reason to be as nervous as I was. <laughs> you did perfect. Thank you. You did. You did good. So thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. 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 Have a good one.